It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this first day of July, 2015. The 4th of July, just around the corner here. Be sure don't get your fingers burnt and watch them youngins. Uh, always need the supervision there uh, for youngins playing with them fireworks. And today we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and technician, Jay Basser. And our guest speaker will be uh, Bob Walsh. Uh, Bob hasn't made it online yet, but uh, he'll be here. Well, uh, there goes my phone. Uh, anyway, uh, John, I think that's probably Bob. Go ahead and take it, Gerald. Yeah, hold on. We'll get started this morning, folks. We've had a little bit of technical difficulty getting Bob in, but uh, I assure you he'll be here. Or if not, we'll have to uh, grab another subject to talk about and uh, reschedule Bob for later if he can't make it. So that's uh, what happens when you do a radio show. It's uh, Sometimes things happen, and it uh, makes it a, a very, very, very difficult thing to do, but we can always change gears if we have to. But, uh, Gerald's saying everybody be safe on the 4th of July. That's the only day we can legally blow stuff up, so um, it's kind of a fun day for a lot of folks. But uh, take care of the children, make sure they do things right, because you hear so many stories of people losing their fingers and part of their hands because of fireworks and firecrackers and so on, so commercial for y'all real quick. This is Jay Basser, one of the hosts for Hatted Veterans Radio and the Ask Basser Show. I wanted to pass along an important message to the members of Hatted. Hatted has kicked off a fun Hatted campaign. Hatted has been helping veterans navigate the VMA since 1997. Hatted's owner T-Bird needs your help. The expense of running a big site like Hatted is steadily increasing while the operating revenues have been decreasing. For these reasons, Haddad has kicked off the Fund Haddad campaign. Remember, Haddad is not a non-profit organization. Please give what you can, as no amount is too small. Your support is greatly appreciated. Help us to keep Haddad around, because without it, where would our veterans be? Personally, I'd be still stuck in the VA quicksand. Just click on the Fun Had It button on the forum page to support HadIt.com. Thank you, Jay Basher. Yeah, well, that's a good, good message there for everyone. Uh, uh, be sure to try to help Had It out a little bit. Uh, it don't take much to put a few dollars in. The, uh, I think they have PayPal there uh, that you can use and. You know, try to help a little bit. Uh, we're not asking for a fortune, and uh, I want you to know, no one had had it except.
voluntary work, and and that's uh, the way it'll be. Uh, all your all your donations are uh, go to the uh, maintenance maintenance of Haddon, and so uh, that's the way it is. Uh, John, how you been doing? I've been doing pretty good, Joe. Just uh, watching the rain every day, and uh, I took a little vacation last week. Sorry I missed the show, but uh, I had to go down and uh, play with this mouse down there in Florida. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You like that mouse. <laughs> yeah, well... Been there so many times, the magic slowly fades. <laughs> you know, I would guess it would. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've never got to go to Disneyland, any. Maybe one day. But uh, I know whenever uh, we go to Branson, I always enjoyed myself there. But there's, hey, you didn't uh, make that. Yeah. Uh, there's. Uh, uh, a lot of different places throughout the country you can go. Uh, uh, I know we were discussing there on the Had It uh, Get Together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, where we're going to all meet up. I don't believe it's quite been decided yet. So. No, it's still well, your way to it. Yeah. If anyone yeah. has any ideas or suggestions, uh, uh, feel free to submit them. Uh, uh, we have uh, some people working on that, so they'll be picked up on. Uh, if you have a place, it'd be of great interest and be able to accommodate. Uh, uh, remember, we have 13,000 members. Uh, that don't mean they're all gone. It'd be nice if they would. But... Uh, uh, there can be quite a sizable number show up. So it would be worthwhile uh, to look into and kind of plan ahead. I think it's kind of planned for next year, if possible. Uh, isn't that right, John? Yes, tend to plan for next year, Drew. We don't have an exact date set, but uh, we'll get closer to it and see what we can come up with. Uh, there's several places we've been looking at, too, and... Uh, we thought about Shades of Green down in uh, Walt Disney World, but uh, I think it's kind of uh, gone by the wayside, so we're looking at other options, too, for uh, something more centrally located for folks because I think it's easier to get to the central part of the country than it is to get everybody from, you know, to coast to coast. So, uh, well, there's different we places. Uh, there's Fort Knox, Kentucky. That's an interesting place. You know, I've never mm-hmm. been there. A lot of others yeah. haven't. Uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Oh, yeah, because they got the right Patterson. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, looks like our guest has made it, Drew. Well, yeah. How you doing this morning, Bob? Well, I haven't been sleeping too well. I guess it's a consequence of the kids in my neighborhood shooting off fireworks till 3 o'clock in the morning for the last week. Oh, my uh, land. We're having that here, too. But uh, I I was pretty exhausted yesterday. I didn't realize how tired I was. I had set the alarm. I apologize. That's okay. We we may do, and uh, we're glad you made it here. 
and safely. Okay, well, the big news this last week was the National Public Radio series on the on the mustard and Lewisite gas. Yes. And I guess uh, uh, for for some of us uh, on the show, it struck close to home. Uh, I have had one client. I had the daughter of one of the fellows who was almost killed at Barry, Italy with the mustard and Lewisite gas. And not everybody knows this story. There's two books on it now. I don't know if they've ever made a movie about it, but uh in we had, you know, we had gotten our uh we'd invaded uh, southern Italy right after North Africa. And we were working our way uh up the Italian peninsula and we'd captured Barry. And Barry's got a good airfield. So they moved the 9th Air Force up there. That's where the, uh, in the 15th, that's that's where the Tuskegee Airmen flew out of, at one of the places anyway. And this fellow was a Tuskegee Airman. He was a T-6. He was a mechanic. And he and his crew were down. And what, what they would do when you had to unload the ships, when your cargo came in, you'd bring your own uh, work detail down to the pier and unload everything. So these guys are down there with their truck backed up on the pier, and it's it's uh, nighttime. Now, uh, the Army Air Force had declared victory and said that uh, this is now this is December of 1943. They've declared victory and said the Luftwaffe was finished and they had total air superiority. So they had the harbor all lit up like New Orleans on Mardi Gras. And, and it's nighttime, and here comes a big loot waffle raid. Well, it wasn't hard to find the place, you know. All the ships were lit up. All the all the unloading facilities were lit up. No blackout at all. And they just bombed the Billy Bejesus out of it. And there was a Liberty ship in the harbor that was full of 200-pound mustard and lewisite gas bombs. And the gal explains this in this uh, NPR series, if you listen to it. Uh, this was the poison pill. Uh, we had we had communicated with uh, Germany and Japan that if they used poison gas, we would really retaliate. We'd really hammer them. Well, in order to back that threat up, you had to have some available. So I had these 200-pound bombs, and they would carry them around with them wherever they went. So if by chance the Germans or the Japanese tried to play bad with the with the poison gas, they'd get them real quick to let them know they shouldn't do that. So this ship got hit. Some of the bombs exploded, and there was a cloud of gas. The cloud of gas killed 5,000 civilians in the town. Now this is all covered up. You got to give the Brits and Americans credit. They 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 kept this all covered up till about 1970. And so this cloud of gas goes up through town. They never tell anybody what it is, see. And people are just dropping dead left, right, and center. Now, they had a brand-new Army hospital they they set up there, but they hadn't moved into it. They'd taken over one of the gov- big government hospitals and turned it into an Army hospital. The The team was there. The personnel were there, but they hadn't actually opened up and started receiving patients. They were kind of in their setup phase for a week, you know, just getting everything set and training and getting organized. Uh, 
and waiting for some other people and the trail to come in. But they said, wow, we got to go now. So they they opened the, the hospital up. Well, the first thing that happens is these guys are coming in, and you've seen Pearl Harbor and ship sinkings. You've seen movies of it. That heavy bunkering oil floats on the water, you know, and when it's burning, then, then what the, the sailors have to do is you have to swim under it. There was a bunkering pipeline underneath the harbor from one side to the other, and it got ruptured. So it wasn't just the burning bunkering from the ships that blew up, but it was also bunkering oil just leaking out of this pipeline. The guys on, my guys on the dock, they got knocked into the water. They did not get injured. In other words, they didn't get strafed. They didn't get hit by shrapnel. They just fell in the water. And in climbing out of it, they got that bunkering oil all over them. But they were also, I think, in the plume, and they got they got heavily hit with the mustard gas to where their skin was burning. They they were on fire. So they they brought them up. They carried them up to the hospital. And he was. They were bad enough that they cut their clothes off and they washed them off, which stopped the burning. You know, slowed it down. Now, the Brits have what's called the Official Secrets Act. This is where they can they can lock anything down. It's a really good law, you know. And in, in in the U.S. we we get around these things right now, like with Snowden and everything. And we don't know, up until up until the Patriot Act, we really didn't have kind of a good way to handle some of this stuff. The Brits have always had this official secrets act. They can walk right in. It's like the old Title Ten rule, the thing you signed, Gerald, where they you know the non-disclosure statement. You know, you say one word about this, and you're in Leavenworth. You know, the yeah, military right. had that. The military, our military had that, you know, by the time the atomic stuff comes along in the 50s. But they didn't always have it real real good. But the Brits always had this official secrets act, and they, and, and they wouldn't say anything about anything. So the Brits were in charge of the harbor. And they wouldn't tell the American officers the time of day. And so Ike had a, a medical advisor that always traveled with him. And that guy came up, and because a few days later, within within two days, these guys in the hospital that were like they had, say you got a broken arm, right? And you got somebody that's burned, or you got somebody with, with shrapnel wounds. We've got to work on them first. That's triage in the military hospital, right? So we got to work on the. We don't have enough people for everybody. We got to work on the the sickest first, and then we'll catch the rest of you. These guys in the oily clothes, they just put them on gurneys. You know, they were they were lying in the hallways, waiting to get washed off and get in and get into a bed. They started dying. They started going hypotensive. Their blood pressure just crashed, and they just fade away and die. Now, they had to they had to open up. Every window in the hospital, because everybody's eyes were burning and their noses were running and, and, and uh, you know, their skin was itching. 
and they, they figured the air was bad. They thought it was the oil. They thought it was this heavy bunkering oil. You know, these guys are coming in, and all this oil, oily clothes and nasty all over the place. So they just opened up the windows, and they're blowing breeze through it, you know. And uh, uh, finally, you know, they get these guys cleaned up and get those clothes disposed of, then the, that problem went away. But what it was was that the, the mustard lucite gas had gotten into the into the bunkering oil. And it was like they had a poultice of mustard and lucite gas on your body. And the doctor came up from Ike's command, and he he looked at a couple of these people, and he smelled, and, he, and apparently he'd been at a mustard lucite test or something. And he said, uh, he, he said, take me to the harbor. And he went down to the Brits, and they weren't going to tell him. And he said, look, I work for General Eisenhower, and you won't be here in about five minutes if you don't tell me what's going on. He says, oh, well, that Liberty ship that blew up was full of mustard and lewisite gas. Oh, Jesus. 5,000 people, civilians, died in the town. All these guys were hurt. Now, I don't know what happened to the rest of them, but I know what happened to this Tuskegee Airman. He was, his the skin just came right off him. They wrapped him up. He, he told his children they, they had him wrapped up like a mummy in bandages, you know, head to toe. And they sent him home, and he got home in February of uh, 1944. Now, you know they weren't sending any aircraft engine mechanics home to to, to enjoy uh, enjoy three fresh cooked meals every day in in uh, February 1944, you know, because that'd be crazy, right, because the war was just getting going. So here they are, they, they, they send this guy home, and they give him no benefits. Now, remember, he's black, so it can be racially motivated, except I got, uh, uh, I got my uh, Merrill's Marauder that they discharged in December of uh, of 44 a year later and I got my navy guy that got busted up in the battle of Sable Island that they they sent home he lost a kidney due to blunt force trauma and, and and was totally deaf and they sent him home and they cheated both of those guys out of their benefits too so I'm not sure that with the Detroit regional office that it had that that, that was it was necessarily racially motivated but the way it ended was that the uh, the daughter remembers she's about five years old, and uh, they had gone over to the old Mount Elliot uh, VA regional office in in Detroit, and uh, gone in to talk to him again. And uh, the guards dragged him out and beat him with billy clubs on the front steps of the of the regional office, and said. And word don't come back, see, and, and but he did. He did come back and he fought again. And and according to this woman, and we don't have the documents on it, uh, President Ford granted equitable relief or something and cut this guy a huge check. She said it was almost a million dollars. And then uh, uh, he he died 
the day before he got a chance to cash it. But that guy was talking about this, and they threw him for a year in the psych ward out here in Battle Creek at the VA hospital and had him locked up in the psych ward for talking about it. So these experiments, these guys signed a non-disclosure. And here's a case where a guy shot his mouth off about this stuff, and and they, they threw him in the psych ward for a year to teach him some manners, okay? They didn't prosecute him in court. They just they just said he was crazy and, and keep him over here for a year. Now, that's the, the, the mentality in Washington about this stuff. Finally, about 1972, I think the first book came out on this. There's now, I've seen two books on this Barry Italy incident. But it's classic as we know, and we've talked about this on the show before, if you want to, if you want to derail your VA claim, all you got to do is mention chemicals, bad vaccines, uh, medical malpractice, uh, radiation, jet fuel, uh, yeah, Project Shad, any chemicals, you know, anything pointing back to the chemical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, uh, radiation. Uh, any any you know any uh any geneva convention unlawful stuff that they're doing which everybody in this conversation knows that they do so that's what the gal kind of dug into in this very excellent npr thing and and a lot of times i've heard these things and i didn't get to hear every word of it every minute of it but but she did get that point. She dug into that and she understood that you know, she first of all she prefaced it to say, hey, there was a war on. You know, it's easy for us historically, you know, we we're looking back and saying, Oh, you should have done this, you should have done this. That's that's Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, I'm not I don't want to engage in that. The point is that at some point in time in every one of these situations, whether it's Shad 112 or radiation with the radiation survivors or Agent Orange, at some point in time, the VA has manned up and Congress has authorized them to take care of it, Gulf War illness. And then what happens? Pretty much nothing. That's the problem. Okay. In other words, national policy and what Congress and the executive and the Pentagon did and didn't do and, and all that stuff, that's all just talk. But this show has to be about what the VA does after they're tasked by Congress and the executive to fix it. And the well, answer and the answer is nothing. Because I had a hearing last week, and and Gerald and I talked about this a little bit. I had a hearing last week with a uh, with a guy off one of the ships, a shad man, and his story is that he and his brother were assigned to the ship together, to a DD, to and uh, they they got a little slight briefing that some stuff was going to be going on, and if they didn't feel good, they were to go to sick bay. 
Now, he worked in engine room one, and his brother worked in engine room number two. So they also had exposure to, you know, fuels and, and loud noise, and they had exposure to asbestos because it was an old World, world War II ship. But they they had this test, and he said, man, that first day, a lot of people were going to on sick call. There's a big line down the companionway of all these guys on sick call. But he said... Uh, I didn't. I felt all right that day, but he says like a day later, day or two later, he said I got so sick. I thought I had appendicitis. I thought my appendix had broke, and I went down to see him, and they they checked me and they said no, it wasn't that, and gave me something, you know, antacid or something, and sent me back to to sick bay or to, to my bunk to lay down. Now. He came home, and he got married to a gal that he already knew, and he's been married to her ever since. His brother's been dead for five years. And I'm telling you guys that that man, if you go right down what's wrong with him, his medical problems, he endorses everything you'd think about Project Shad. He he had gastrointestinal problems from the time of that uh, pain right up till the present. He ended up having surgery about uh, 10 years ago, and they took uh, uh, a couple feet out of his uh, intestine. He, you know, this guy's been terribly, horribly ill. He managed to work because he's a tough guy, you know, and he dragged into work. But that, that's been going on now. He filed a claim about um, 2008, I think. And they don't deny he was on the ship during the tests. But they're running him right out of the Detroit regional office. They haven't sent him wherever that Shad team is. Uh, Where's the Shad team worked out of, Gerald? I haven't looked it up yet. I don't know. I haven't found them. Is it? Because usually they've got a specialty team to to work, you know, the they're, they're all the see, all the Camp Lejeune guys are supposed to go to Louisville to get denied, and all the radiation guys are supposed to go to Jackson, Mississippi to get denied, and all the chemical guys are supposed to go to Oklahoma City Regional Office to get denied. They like to do all their denials in one place. See, keep track of. Um, uh, no, I haven't found any. I've seen numbers that uh, supposed to be you're supposed to be able to call. I've called them. Uh, you did get some help. Let's talk about an important point because this family had that same problem you had, which on, was that uh, that there okay. there is right there's the there is a uh, uh, there's a VA circular to the Veterans Health Administration that says. That these guys are to get all all Shad one one twelve personnel veterans are to get free health care with no co copays for life. Uh, what I had to do there, Bob, was uh, because right away they denied me. They come out with this a few years back, and of course they denied me, and I had no no one to go to to say. 
uh, here's what it here's what it is. It's a law, and they keep denying me. Okay. So uh, they're sending you bills for your for your pharmacy oh, and your. Oh bed. yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I had to continue paying, or they take it out of your your Social Security check or whatever. Right. However they can get it, they'll take it. But you know they're going to get it. So this time. However, this uh, directive that they come out with, uh, they did have some numbers on there you could call in Washington should you have a problem. Well, right away, uh, of course, without saying, I had problems. And... uh, the first thing they told me, well, nothing in your record indicated you was ever involved, and I knew that wasn't true because I'd given copies. So I called Washington and finally got a hold of this uh, one lady, uh, and uh, she took my uh, my argument and and she said, okay, uh, send me this information. So I had to send her proof because, indeed, it was not in my medical records. After all these years, and me giving them this information all along, as it come in to me, I'd have to go to the business office and have them put it in my, my medical records. Is what they were supposed to have been done. I guess it went to the trash. So I sent it to her, and she had her people put it in the medical records. That way she said, I know it's there. And didn't she also say that that there's a code for it, and they code it right in and put it on your chart, (laughs) some code number that that identifies it not to be paid, yeah. I don't know what that code is, but she called down and explained to me, talked to the chief of the hospital, the medical, uh, whoever the head dog is down there, spoke to them and uh, got it all taken care of. They called me back and said, we're we're letting you know you will have no more copay and as far as we're concerned, all your ailments are associated with your involvement with Project 112 Chat. And since then, I've received one billing, which I promptly called and, and informed them. Uh, and they have to actually, you have to get a hold of it the head administrator or dog here over billing and uh, they have to remove it from your records. Now they told me I would be receiving back pay uh, on all my co-pays back to day one which is about 14 years. Uh, I would uh, get back on all my co-pays because I asked him for something in writing so I didn't run into this problem again. They said that when I got my check, it would be 
with a letter of explanation. And that letter of explanation supposedly is to be my proof that, that uh, I wanted in, in writing. You know, they can tell you anything over the phone. Whatever they tell me over the phone, I don't <laughs> don't carry any weight with me. No, no, it's just all talk. I want it in writing. I want to see it in writing. And uh, I'm going to be able to document it. Uh, so far, I haven't received a check. Now, this has been about two months going on, or th two and a half, three months. They said it'd take them 30 days. Uh, but I've never seen the BA do anything in 30 days, <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless they want to get into your bank account. Then I guess they can do that. Anything else takes them a lot longer than 30 days. So I'm yep. still waiting. I want that letter. And, of course, as soon as I receive it, I'll I'll fax uh, you a copy so you can put it in my file that you have there for me. Now, let's, speaking of that, you know, you we we uh we sent off in FOIA, and, of course, folks, we were using the VA Form 3288. That's the form you use to get your claims file. Now, things have changed a little bit in, in the VA because they have closed the the file rooms, the, uh, the mail rooms. The file rooms are going away because all the cases are becoming digital, and they're going up on, on VBMS. So logically, the file room operation is getting smaller at these VAs. I, I'm, I'm running, I've had hearings over the last a couple of months, quite a few, and I would say probably two thirds of the files have been electronic now. So that, for Detroit at least, that's the trend. The trend is certainly downward. Paper files are are becoming extinct. Now the, when you send in the the VA thirty two eighty eight, and if you had an old one, if you had an old one that you'd filed and they didn't ever send you the file. All you've got to do is go to, to VBMS web portal, and every document now they send you, they send you the list of the states. The states east of the Mississippi go to Noonan, Georgia. The states west of the Mississippi go to uh, this this place up in uh, in Wisconsin. But what you've got to do is take that 3288, no matter what the date is on it, and, and fax it back in there and send them a note, say, I've had this pending all this time and I never got it. And you will get your claims file. The good news is you will get your claims file on a CD in Adobe PDF from the VA Center, Archive Center down in, in St. Louis. Now, in the old days, we could never talk directly to that VA Archive Center in St. Louis. If you wanted to get your medical records out of there or an archive claims file out of there, you had to send the request to the medical center or regional office that put the documents in there, and then they would have to call them back and get them back out. But now you can communicate directly with those people. So you cut out the middlemen here. This was This is good. The next thing is you're getting your file on a CD with a PDF. That's good. Now we come to the third problem. When you get your file, and let me let me put a footnote in here also. We've had a lot of trouble with Social Security 
over the last few years getting files of the guys because if you have Social Security disability, not so much regular Social Security, and I don't care if you've lost a Social Security claim, that doesn't particularly help. That's not helpful. But if you have won a Social Security disability claim, you want to get those records and that decision and send them into the VA. And they have a form that's called SSA 3288. And it's the exact same thing. It's a request for your complete file. You want to get that you want to get that thing and and turn that in to the to your local social security office and they'll understand what you're trying to do. If you go over there and talk to them, you'll get strange answers and they'll end up sending you a bill for $200 to get your file. If you turn in that form, you'll probably get it in a week and they won't charge you. But let's get back to the to the VA problem. So now you get your file on your CD. So, Gerald, what's your story about that? Do you need to go in there and look at your file and look at it page oh, by page? You better, <laughs> you better look at it because what I've received was not my file, was not my claims file. Two-thirds of, two-thirds of Gerald's file that came in was some other veteran. Now remember, there's there's a couple of problems with this, and 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 don't think that this is the first time this has happened with me because I've had this happen a lot. There are a couple problems here with it. First of all, it helps us explain why all, why all Gerald's claims have been turned down because his records aren't in his file. Where are his records? You ask. We don't know. We also know that this other veteran who's wrecked 500 pages of his records who were sitting in Gerald's file certainly wasn't getting a fair turn at bat, was he? Uh, it's uh, the craziest thing I've ever seen. I said, well, but I'm telling you, this happens all the time. Now, here's another thing. Uh, the, the file's only about I think I can't remember about 700 pages or something like that. It's not very big, and you've yeah. been you've been fussing and fighting with the with these people for years. Your file ought to be much bigger than that. Oh, it is. Uh, what they had in my file was uh, uh, actually about 40 pages, maybe 40 pages out of 747, 747, I think. Uh, there were 40 pages that could actually pertain to my pile. My God. Now, in, in 14 years, I assure you, file was there. You would have no doubt, no question. I mean, there were, it's all there. All the material's there. And they keep telling me every time I, you know, I had a different, got a different POA, I said, this guy ain't worth a hell of beans. They'd say, well, you ain't got nothing to work with. And I keep thinking, that's in- impossible. Okay, so I, so, so you've heard me on this show 
everybody that's heard me talk on uh, other forums, you guys know what's what's the main thing I pound on the table. What's the main thing that I tell everybody? Keep Go get your claims file, right? Yeah. And this is exactly why. But here's the next question. Why didn't one of your POAs get a copy of your claims file and hand it to you and say there's a problem here? Uh, they should have. They should have recognized it. Uh, a blind man could see it. Me, yeah. Uh, they keep asking me. Uh, I had that one. That I had an attorney, BBA attorney, which you've probably seen his his statement. Uh argument and my client and what you sent me uh, Bob but uh, but is there any argument that the wrong records are in here the information he used is the information I had to send him right but what I'm saying is did did anybody did did any of these guys over the years ever say hey you got somebody else's records in this guy's file no no one mentioned it no one mentioned that I only have a partial file. It don't even have my original filing where I originally filed, and and how your your claim gets built. You know, right. Okay. Well, now this brings me to another little interesting juncture here. Of update on VBMS. So last week, by the way, this trend of not getting the decisions, it continues. Now, the main culprit around here, because we work mostly with east of the sea of, of the Mississippi cases, is this Noonan, Georgia. But we got a statement of the case. My guy called and said, oh, we got a statement of the case. He said, how do you know? Well, I got one, and then I got your copy in the envelope, too. Well, that's certainly helpful. I'm glad he's not 80 years old in a in a wheelchair, had a stroke, and and his his uh, daughter just throws it up on the kitchen counter. Yeah. See. So that that's a little bit of a bump in the road, but the but the main thing that's going on now that's been kind of comical around here that's causing us a bunch of extra work, is we get these snippy little letters, little one-page letters from the regional office. Well. We're dismissing your your claim from five years ago. You can refile it if you want to, but, but that's what the letter says. Okay, what claim? Who claim? Where claim? Why claim? You understand the problem? Yeah. So so they're like writing you and saying we're dismissing your case. Why? Because under VBMS, Gerald, they have to go get your 21-526 and upload it into the system. No can do easy because they lost it. Okay? So this is a problem for them. And so now the way that Detroit is solving their problem is they're just simply dismissing your claim, wiping it out. Wow. Wow. There's due process for you. Well, it's process. I don't know how due it is. I guess it's well, it due. I, I guess it's. I guess it's due to us because we're veterans and we were dumb enough to put our right hand up and sign up with the military. You know, I guess we uh, get we get what we deserve on that. But <laughs> happy Fourth of July, baby. <laughs> you know. What's your recourse on that, though, Bob? Uh, 
Well, we Got have to, to go. Well, now we have to go into this guy's seven thousand page file and try to figure out what on earth claim they are talking about and send a notice of disagreement in. What other recourse could there be? Now, let me tell you something else I'm doing. They may not like this, but I'm going to tell you right now. I've got this fellow in the Marine Corps that was all burned up, 60% of his body. They kicked him to the curb, paying him 50%, which couldn't keep a cat alive. And he came in here in 2002. Write that date down. That's important, 2002. And after about a year, year and a half, I got him up on unemployability, and I got him, I got him up to, I think he's, he may be actually 100% now. But they had never gone and got his hospital records from the, from the burn center down in San Antonio. So we got the, we got those burn records. I think it's uh, 351 pages. We turned them in to the board in 2005 with a motion for revision under 38 TFR 3.156C because those records showed all the things that they hadn't rated him for. And we said, we want his effective date revised on his 100% back to the day he walked out the door of the Marine Corps. Well, that's 2005. I think we've been fussing with that simple little thing that I take 10 minutes for 10 years now. 10 years. The man's 55 years old. He's 45 when he started this little... Well, he's less than that. He's about 42 when he started this little walk down the boulevard with the with us. It should have... And I thought... What, and I thought to myself, but I never tell a veteran these things. I thought to myself, say, wow, this will take about six months. We'll have him all squared away. And here we are, 13 years later. Unreal. Unreal. And by the way, um, th- this man, uh, there was uh, at Camp Fuji in Japan, there was a typhoon. And what happened as uh, uh, the uh, the the fuel oil spilled. The, the uh, little pot-bellied stoves got knocked over in these hooches. And they were supposed to snuff the fire in them. The gunny had told them to snuff all the fires, but the one guy that was fire guard in his hooch didn't want to snuff it because it was cold and it was damp, so he left it go. And it blew up. And this young man ran ran back and forth inside there and dragged seven of his fellow Marines out. Two of the fellows died. Uh, but he'd come out, he'd be on fire, he'd roll around in the mud puddle and get him, put his fire out and get up and go back in and bring some more out. And I guess he did it three times. So his gunny came down and visited him. His commanding officer never visited him at the hospital. He was in the hospital for about a year. Uh, and they never even gave him a, a, a Navy commendation medal or a life-saving medal or anything. Wow. Semper five, baby. I guess I'm getting old and jaded and ornery in my old age here, but uh, I apologize for being late today, folks. That's another thing we can talk about. My the, the wonderful uh, uh miscreants in my neighborhood have been shooting off fireworks uh from from 
dusk until about three o'clock in the morning every day for about two weeks, and I guess I'm not getting much sleep. It's illegal here after ten o'clock. So yeah. I'm glad glad of that. Um, I think it's illegal in Michigan also, but so what? Uh, that's not the believe me. That's not the only law that these individuals break. <laughs> we had a question from Haddit. Uh, I'm on dash. We had this veteran uh, was in Vietnam, and uh, what he done was actually, from my understanding of it, was. He went out and recovered broken-down vehicles. Yep, vehicle recovery. Yep, not a good job. Vehicle recovery. And he, uh, although he wasn't actually in combat, he was in situations where he was close to or, uh, you know, he, he did see action. I mean, they don't have a combat MOS. Well, the VA refuses to recognize him uh, on his ailments uh, because uh, he didn't have a combat MOS or he don't have a stressor letter. Well, uh, okay, but here's the here's the thing, Gerald. Under the new under the new standard, okay. Yeah. You know, when they changed the regulation, the 3.304 regulation, for this, uh, uh, you know, be in a combat zone and be fearful. Yeah. So here you are with, uh, uh, you got a vehicle that's that's broken down out in, in uh, Indian country. Yeah. And you and two other guys are going to ride out there and hook it up and drag it back, right? They don't send right. you any security detail. They don't have a chopper flying over your head. They just send you out there. Well, so, some of these vehicles, of course, are, are just, they broke down. But some of these vehicles are combat damage. You know, the bad guys ruined them. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then uh, uh, you know, what are you, you going to do? Uh, one of my guys, Tommy, he used to, he was retubing the... Uh, uh, the 155 self-propelled howitzers with with 175 barrels, and these big barrels, big long trailer, you know, and he'd haul them out with a with a three-quarter ton, and and uh, they they'd go out and and uh, the guy his his uh, the master sergeant ran ran the operation. He wouldn't give him anybody, give him one guy to help him, and they go driving out to these fire bases. <laughs> With this big old barrel right right through Indian country, you know, just, where there might have been an ambush or a fight, you know, a week before, you know, they just go driving out there, two M16s and a and an M60 machine gun on the jeep, and that's it. <laughs> and 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 think it's just the 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 smartest thing on earth to do, you know. And uh, Tom often got uh, uh, he he spent nights out in in these fire bases that were under attack he was in major battles and he laughs he tells about one he says they were they were under a real heavy assault at night and he was he he had his m16 he was up on the gun line uh firing and uh the 
there was a, a, a platoon sergeant next to him. And he says, no, no, dumbass, you know, fire, you got to fire. That's your sector over there. He says, sector? He says, yeah, these, there. see those marker stakes out there? That's, you know, I got to, I'm working that sec, this sector here on the right, and you, that one right in front of you, that's your sector between those two markers. Okay, okay. Well, he didn't know that because he wasn't infantry. He's a mechanic. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> and... He, this is uh, this is on the job training the hard way, you know, but but again, you know, we're draftees, we're two year guys. They haven't got a lot of time with us, and so they, you know, he was a mechanic. They sent him to mechanic school. He was a he was a M one one three track mechanic, and and he ordnance. They came out and they were doing this rebarrel project on these guns. That's what he had to do. But he got into the most mischief when he would go out to fix these tracks. And what they'd do is they'd go out with a track, and then if they had the broken one, they'd just hook it up with a cable and tow it back, you know. Well, that's how he got trapped in those deals, because he went out just, you know, and they didn't give him a, a squad infantry on that track. It was just he and the he and his buddy, you know, driver and assistant driver, they'd go out, you know, get this thing hooked up and drag it back, fix it if they could out there. A lot of times the fan belts would come off, they'd put new belts on them and get them going. But if they couldn't get them going, they had to, you know, they had to drag them back. And uh, they didn't send any extra people with this guy. I, and and the uh, now when we did aircraft recovery, when you had a downed helicopter, we had a specific team set up at the at the 101st and I know I'm talking to other uh, rotary wing aviators so they might come in with the with the sky crane or a CH47 to snatch this uh chopper and they would they would put a big heavy uh well nylon sling belt you know cargo belts they'd put them on the right around the hub of the of the rotor lift them up out of there well, they'd come in, and they had a team, and they had a security team. You know, uh, Huey would bring in some guys, you know, to, to get around the, the perimeter, and then the guys would get her hooked up. They could hook those babies up in about five minutes and get them, get them out of there. It was a real quick operation, usually, uh, unless, the you know, the, 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 the rotor hub was buried down in the ground. You had to kind of tip it over before you could snatch it out. But that... Uh, uh, that operation was the scariest operation you'd go on. That because usually those helicopters were shot down. Yeah. And the Viet Cong and the NVA knew where the helicopter was, and it was bait. This is like, just like putting out a salt lick for deer. They knew you were coming for it, and they'd just hang back, you know, and 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 wait, and then they'd ambush you. So that was a real. Uh, one of my guys did uh, eighty-one. 81 extractions. Of course, he Agent Orange killed him, and and they said it's the wrong cancer, so they haven't paid his widow anything. But we, you know, we're still working on it. We live in hope, you know. But that's uh, uh, that's he's got to turn in that 210781. Okay, he's got to turn that in. And then the other thing uh, we we've got we had a guy in here yesterday a marine from third uh, battalion third marines did a year in Vietnam and he's just mattering a wet hand 
because he finally got around to filing a claim here about a year ago, and Detroit turned him flat down. He's had a heart attack. He's got ischemic heart disease. And VA turned him flat down and said, you weren't in Vietnam. Now, I told the Detroit News, I told that young lady that was doing that series of articles, I said, look, uh, what the what the VA is basically doing here right now, these people at the regional offices, is they're denying their way to a clean desk and a bonus check. They're clearing, they're clearing the decks. They're clearing the decks. They're denying everything. They're denying Agent Orange diabetes claims. They're they're denying all the heart claims. You know anything? Just you know gunshot wounds where the guy's got a purple heart. Denied. 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 Send them on up to the board. Let the board sort it out. See. Well, that's fine, except that's a two, three-year cycle. At minimum. And if the board gets it wrong, which they have been known to do, you got to go to court. And if you don't go to court, you're done. That issue's over. You can you can refile it. You can start it all over again. But you've lost all that back pay. Now and this. This uh, form, Bob, uh, the twenty-one thirty-seven zero one form. No, no, twenty-one zero seven eight one. That's for that's for normal type stressors. Okay, there's another one, twenty-one dash zero seven eight one alpha. That is for personal assault. Twenty-one dash zero seven. Eight one. Eight one. A with a small A. I think it's a small A. A. And that's okay. uh that's that's a stressor verification statement. It's a two page form. It's right on the website. It's a it's uh it's an in infillable PDF. You can type right into it. Oh but what the A is for this personal assault, that is for military sexual trauma, that's for rape. But it's also for when uh, I've had several guys that were in Germany and were beat up by gangs. One was beat up by a gang of these skinheads. Yeah. And one guy was almost killed by a bunch of these Arab workers, these Lebanese workers. It was the time of the the Beirut thing and all that business. And, uh, man, they they liked to kill this guy. And uh, it was a bunch of Lebanese. So, so these personal assault, and then I had another guy, it was a holiday, it was like 4th of July here coming up, and he walked out of the barracks, you know, and go down to the snack bar, because the dining hall was closed for that holiday, you know, meals on your own, he went down to buy something at the snack bar, and a bunch of guys mistook him for somebody else and beat him almost to death, a gang of guys of GIs, so... There are, there are forms for both of those things, okay? It used to be there was only the one form. But I I actually had a, a, a PTSD claim turned down that, that was perfect. And I said, well, what what's going on here? And he says, oh, well, you didn't file a 210781. I said, stressor verification is not required since the regulation changed. And he said, well, we're told that we have to have it in there. And it wasn't in there. Now, he didn't send me a letter saying it wasn't in there to get it in there. He just turned down the claim. Oh, man. Hide the ball, see? 
All right. Well, everybody have a good Fourth of July. I think we've used up one hour here. Well, we have, and we appreciate you coming on, Bob. And you really you give us a lot of information today. And uh, I don't know. It, it seems like as time goes on, things get more difficult. Well, look, let's let's understand the environment we're in here. The the VA is transitioning to the electronic files. If you just did that, that would be pretty traumatic. They're also trying to do this VBMS thing. That's traumatic. And they're doing it with the with the Veterans Benefits Administration crew. Oh my god. You know? Not a this is this is not this is the can't shoot straight gang, you know, on steroids now cuz they got these computers to help them get into mischief. So, it, it's going to be a struggle, but I I think that you know, leadership sending some of the right messages down to the troops, but the troops sure aren't executing. These are the, you know, these are the bad news bears. Yeah. They can't they can't play. I know they've told me that my claim, every time I check on it and they couldn't find it, they say it's being digitized. My claim must be digitized a hundred times. Well, they digitized it for us and sent it to us all right, but it's somebody else's. Boy, howdy. It's, uh, well, it's a disaster, actually. Right, but any of this stuff, here's the thing, Gerald, any of that stuff you've got, send up to me, and we'll just re-file it into VBMS. If you've got a copy of that 21526 and all that business, and that's what I was going to say about that burn fella. We took all that critical evidence from his file that's scattered all over in that big file, we just resubmitted it into the VBMS, so it's right up on that computer screen when they open it up. They don't have to go looking for it. It's right there in front of them. Well, we'll resubmit it, and uh, I'll do like you said. Uh, get a, I'll follow a, a deal here in Missouri, federal court thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll fi- we're going to file a privacy act on this one and make an example of them because this is happening way too much. And by the way, we asked for a copy of Alex's file, and they sent it to me. It is four feet high. They sent it to us in paper. I think they did that just to terrorize us. Oh, I hear that. What yeah. a mess. Yeah, so we we just wanted a computer disk. That's all we wanted. Yeah. Well, okay, Bob, we uh, really appreciate it, and we'll try to get you back on here, you know. And... Uh, Good luck. All right, my friend. Look everybody, to me like you have your hands full. Yeah, everybody have a good Fourth of July and be safe. Yeah, be safe mainly. Yankee Doodle Dandy. See you later. Okay. Yeah, Thanks bye. a lot. Bye. Well, John, I think that's it. Oh, she wrote. All right, I'm gonna sign off. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Master Show.